Grace, peace, and welcome to Podcast of the Wills, a podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. My name is Nick Milkey, and we are live. We are live on Sunday afternoon. And let me tell you a funny story real quick. Here's what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't let somebody who lives in Alabama be in charge of anything that has to deal with international time zones, because I am guaranteed to get it wrong somewhere along the way. We're on early on a Sunday, which is fun. I hope we're going to have some friends hanging out with us in the live chat. And we're going to talk Star Wars. And despite the early start, we're all going to get to have fun. We're going to get to have an amazing guest that I'm really excited about. So I'm excited that y'all are here. I'm glad that we are here to do this. On a Sunday afternoon, I want to send a shout out to my kids who normally they don't get to watch the show because I'm on after they have gone to bed. So Harper, Lily, Wren, and Laura Kelly. Dad says hello from the garage here in the house. Uh, but we're glad that y'all are watching. We're glad that everybody is tuned in this afternoon because I have an amazing guest and I'm going to get right into it because he's so much fun. I've heard him on Around the Galaxy. I've heard him on the Holocronicles show. I follow him on Twitter. There's always laughs. There's always positivity and fun that goes with uh, my guest, Marshall Julius. Marshall is an author. He wrote a book called The Vintage Geek Quiz Book, which we're going to talk about. He's also an amazing artist. I shared out his Etsy page earlier this week as we were getting ready for the show. We will encourage you to find that as well and check it out. But I am excited to bring in my friend from across the pond, Mr. Marshall Julius. Marshall. Hello. Thank you for that lovely introduction. It is so wonderful to have you on. It's so wonderful to make these international connections. And I appreciate the fact that for you, it's almost 930 at night and that you're willing to take some time know, and hang it's out. So late. It's so late. I'm trying to get the lights on because I'm just in, <laughs> I'm so in shadows. But any more light and it just it reflects horribly off this bowling ball head of mine. So it's like. Let's go with slightly shadowed. It's just that's right. Everybody. Slightly shadowed. It works. It totally works. You look good. And we get to hang out today and we get to talk Star Wars. Yeah, um, which that's is my favorite thing to do. So thank you very much for having me on your show. It's my pleasure. Well, we have to get this important business up front because podcast of the wills is nothing if not consistent most of the time. And so what I have decided and you if you've seen any of our other shows, what I have told people is I'm trying to become the Stanley Tucci of Star Wars podcasts because Stanley Tucci over the period of quarantine has been putting on these amazing videos on Instagram where he makes these really fancy cocktails and he's wearing like a blazer and just making it look really elegant. And so I decided that's what we were going to do on this show is that when I have guests on, we're going to make a cocktail. We're going to name it after our guest and it's just going to be something fun to get us started. So what we are doing today um, I have my glass right here, a little bit prepared. I have some a big chunk of ice and some orange in it. That's all we've got so far. I'm going to add just a little dash of simple syrup because I don't like too much sugar in my cocktails. Um, I'm going to add just a dash of bitters. We have some good old fashioned Angostura bitters. So we're going to always have to do this where I don't spill it all over my computer. And then... The most important ingredient, bourbon whiskey. And I have mine in my traditional Star Wars decanter, which is an empty bottle that I put stickers all over and I refill um, <laughs> because it just stays on brand for the show. And I'm not afraid of a good pour of whiskey. 
That is an okay, excellent gonna, pour of whiskey. So, so we're going to get this. We're going to give it a little shake. In the United States and around the world of cocktails, we would probably call this an old-fashioned by the ingredients. But today, we have called this Marshall's Geeky Drinky is what we are having today. I'm honored. I'm honored. I have to admit... I thought I had more of those ingredients in the house <laughs> than I did. So I had to make a few substitutions. That's okay. Um, we appreciate got a really nice uh, Scotch whiskey, but Excellent. instead of the, um, the sweet stuff, the Angostura bitters and the orange pill, I used an ice cube. So I basically got <laughs> Scotch. I appreciate it. Cheers to you, my friend. Cheers. Cheers. I really just horribly failed in your cocktail challenge. No, no, no. It's okay. That's the beauty of the cocktail challenge. We go with what works because a good cocktail is a good cocktail no matter what. Well, it for is. me, a good cocktail is um, scotch in a glass <laughs> with an ice cube. I totally get it. I, and to be perfectly honest, until I started doing this bit on the show eight or nine or 10 weeks ago, my go-to was some bourbon in a glass with a piece of ice. So I'm not that far behind you. And in fact, I've kind of unintentionally slowly grown my bar supplies just a little bit because when I find one of these recipes, I'm like, Oh, I don't have simple syrup. Oh, I don't have bitters. And so I've bought them and now I almost have what resembles a little bit of a bar. So but, it's basically um, just an excuse to keep buying alcohol. <laughs> it is. It is. And in fact, we have our friend Jackson in the chat. He says early drinking. I see. I approve. Well, it's only it's nine thirty. It's nine thirty right. p.m. here, so it's, I'm like in the sweet spot of drinking. That's yeah. right. It's not it's not early for you, and that's okay. Well, Marshall, we've got you here. We're going to talk a little bit, and what I love to do with my guests is to start out with kind of your Star Wars origin story. When you first saw Star Wars, what that was like. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, if you don't mind, sir. I certainly don't mind. Um, I first saw Star Wars in nineteen seventy seven. Well. I, Okay, that said, you know, in England, it came mm -hmm. out in, at the end of the year. You know, it came out like okay. December 28th um, in England. So you got it like May the 25th. I, I remember those yes. dates very clearly because, you know, Star Wars wasn't a thing until it became a thing, you know, until it actually right. came out and everyone went crazy about it. We were aware that something was coming. But then, you know, in England, we got reports. We, we I remember seeing on the news like reports of uh, people queuing up around the block to see the movie, and um, it was like, I have to see this, I have to see this, but we had to wait all through the year. You had your Star Wars summer. I would That's say right. we had our Chewbacca Christmas. <laughs> well, I probably actually didn't see it until early January 1978, and I went to see it at the uh, Odeon Leicester Square, the West End of London, which is kind of, um, you know, um, the best place to go and see movies. It's got the biggest, sure. fanciest cinemas. And um, it was at the time, uh, films, uh, big films in, in, in England, in, it would, you know, would open first in London for a few weeks and then they would mm -hmm. um, go to all the local cinemas. So um, when Star Wars was only showing at one cinema in the, in the, uh, in the whole country, um, as far as I was concerned, I, 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 I uh, went with my mum and um queued up and went to see it and uh honestly more than watching the film itself which i remember bits and pieces of when i first saw the film but more significant to me the thing that i remember more clearly was when we came out of the film um there were all these tables uh, lined up 
um, between the uh, the exit of the cinema and the exit, uh, you know, where to go out on the street, and they were just covered in Star Wars merchandise. It was just incredibly thrilling. There were programs and posters, and just you know, the first wave, the very first wave of any sort of merchandise, and um, and my mum bought me like a ton of it, and 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 that shockingly. Is, is what I remember more than actually seeing the film itself the first sure. time. I remember the Death Star Trench. I, was, I You know, I get flashes of seeing that when I was um, small. But I, I remember so clearly coming out and seeing all that merchandise. It has such a, a powerful effect on me, all that amazing stuff. And there's I've got pictures of me... Um, with the, I had the Chewbacca, I had the um, C3PO and R2D2 poster of them standing in the desert. I had uh, the um, Darth and, and the uh, Stormtroopers um, standing, you know, from the beginning of the movie. Um, I had posters like everywhere. I still got the program. And those posters fell to pieces because I just had them on my wall. You know, it sure. wasn't like, oh, I got to save this. This is mint first generation sort of nonsense. I was, I was like, that poster is going up on the head of my bed, and I was so proud of it. Um, so that was my, that was my Star Wars origin from the That's moment awesome. I saw. And how old were it, you when that hooked. happened? I was um, nine, okay. nine, and uh, it just that just absolutely. Honestly, it just like changed everything. I had very strong nerdy tendencies, and I I liked stuff for for years uh, before that. When I, for instance, mm -hmm. when I was very small, I was kind of into anything with robots or spaceships or you know Star Trek and stuff. But um, seeing Star Wars was like okay, that gave me something to pour all of that sort of passion into that thing because it was not just a fantastic film that I became obsessed with and had to know everything about. It also became the focal point for for, for me for collecting as well. Absolutely. And to just pick up any last every last little thing. As you can see, I actually <laughs> haven't stopped. It's not just Star Wars that I collect, mm -hmm. but... Uh, you know, that's it's, it's it's the main part of it for me. That's awesome. Well, and you talked about the program. So you still have the original program that you got when you saw it in 1977, your version. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've got, uh, I, I'm, I've never been very good at throwing things away. And, and since <laughs> I was, or, or, and, and since I was small, I always just saw the value in, stuff like mm -hmm. i was always kind of like i, I kind of have this line where i say i was sort of born nostalgic i kind of born i was born sort of appreciating the value of things um which is a, kind of a weird quality to have in a six or a seven year old that you kind of oh, see sure. something and it's like i did play with that i i'm still i'm a i'm a relentless unapologetic unboxer of stuff mm -hmm. i really get stuff so that it can be valuable 50 years after i'm dead um but I, I kind of, I just have this kind of urge to uh, gather and to, um, and to, and to display. You know, I, I get. I remember, I was. It was about the same age. Um, I was probably like eight or seven, actually. And everybody was obsessed with uh, Coca Cola bottles and mm -hmm. the shape color bottles you know incredibly iconic and there was this summer when everybody was getting uh, like necklaces with the little bottles right. in and, and you know the jewelry and um i didn't have any of that i wasn't really interested in that but i went um with my dad uh to to the um off license where you buy drinks and and uh, mm -hmm. uh alcohol and, and soft drinks and uh and he bought a whole crate of these 
Coca-Cola bottles. Obviously, you don't get them in glass anymore. It's like completely different. But um, I said to him, I asked him if I could if I could have one, and he said, "Sure. What what do you want it for?" I said, "I just want to keep it as an ornament." And uh, and I thought he was going to say, "And don't be ridiculous. That's food. You don't. You know, it's not an ornament." But he was like, "Yeah, sure. Here you go." He probably thought it's, it's better to give in to me than to argue with me. <laughs> and I've still got that. You know, I've still got that um, Coke bottle. That's fantastic. You know? Well, and, and so that. It became, that Oh yeah. yeah, it just became you know this kind of a, a, something I'm very kind of sentimental about because mm. I don't want to get all kind of maudlin here, but my dad passed away kind of shortly afterwards, and so sure. that was just something that made a big impression on me. I, I just thought that was very cool that he let me ha have that you know Coke bottle. Mm -hmm. It's you know you never know what little thing is going to be incredibly significant to a kid, you know, and oh, uh, without a doubt. So, you know, that's just something that I, I kind of really treasure. And that's basically me. I'm just a big sentimental goofball. And Star Wars <laughs> is just one of the things, one of the main things that I just feel incredibly attached to. You know, right. like I said, my dad died shortly before the film came out. So, you know, it kind of, uh, it was the distraction that I needed at exactly the right time. And uh, I think it sort of saved me in a way. No doubt. Well, and you bring up such an interesting point when you talk about, being sentimental about collectibles, saving things that are special to you. Because like my kids have stuff and we have toys and we're constantly having a birthday and getting new toys. And three weeks later, we're not paying attention to those toys anymore. We're not saving them and we're constantly getting rid of or donating or whatever it is. But there are those moments when one of my kids is like, no, I really want to save this McDonald's happy meal box because I think it's cool. And the parent in me that has to constantly keep our house cleaned up is going, it's just trash. It's going to end up on the floor. But then I have to catch myself and stop and think about all the star Wars things that I had as a kid that I don't have anymore because mm -hmm. either they got thrown out or I talk about, we moved a couple of times when I was in the third grade. And so a lot of that stuff was lost. And so I've had to kind of recollect as an adult, some of the things either that I did have as a kid or I wished I had as a kid. Um, and so finding that balance with my kids of saying they really want to keep this, this is important to them. Mm. Or, you know, my wife grew up with my little pony. And so when I went to a toy convention in Atlanta a couple of years ago, I found for relatively cheap, well played with, well loved, but some original 1980s My Little Ponies. And I brought them home to her. And for, it was one of those things. She was like, I'll keep these forever. They weren't really mine, but I'll keep them forever because it's still that nostalgia, you know, that vintage connection. And like you said, the sentimentality of it. Um, when I started, I guess, four years ago, when I kind of decided to start recollecting some of the Star Wars things that I had or whatever, the first thing that I went after was my vintage Han Solo blaster because I oh, had this cool. toy as a kid and it was the thing that I remembered the most. I remembered how much I loved that toy running around playing with it. And so that was, and of course the glory of eBay is that you can find almost all of it somewhere if you're willing to pay for it. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I, I, I've got most of what I got as a kid. I, I was kind of, Lucky in that my mom um, was um, a kind of quite a big nerd herself and mm -hmm. understood 
um, how attached I was to these things. And so never sort of, you know, I hear so many horror stories from people who, who come and, you know, and see my den and they see my stuff and, you know, their, their eyes sort of like well up and they go, <laughs> Oh, you know, I had, st I had that, or I had this. And then, you know, I went to university and my mom cleared out my room or, you know, or I sold it when, you know, I, I kind of, there was a time when I thought, Oh, I don't want my kids stuff anymore and I'm going to get rid of it. And then, you know, a few years later, I kind of realized what a terrible mistake it was. And it was like, <laughs> sucks to be you, mate, because, you know, I just kept everything. Absolutely. <laughs> I just never Absolutely, going to yeah. anything. Look, I mean, <laughs> right in front of me on my desk, I have my, uh, my official Star Wars card. Um, fan club card. That's and, so uh, amazing. From 1983. Um, mm hmm. It's very important to be a card carrying uh, member. That's of the right. Star Wars you, you because one day when you get something wrong on Twitter, which is bound to happen, and all the mad nerds demand that you turn in your fan card, you actually have one that you could turn in. I'm not going to turn in anything, but yes, no. no quite, quite right. <laughs> in fact, good story about that card is yeah. um, a couple of years ago. Um, they had uh, Disney through this big worldwide event where they were unveiling all the new Star Wars toys um, for the last uh, movie and, you know, the last trilogy. And uh, and it was this big event. I'm in London. I went to go to uh, Pinewood Studios. I got invited along to it, and there were lots of cool people there. Warwick Davis was there. I gave him a copy of, of my Vintage Geek book, which was a really nice moment. Awesome. And um, but when we arrived, they said, right, and you can only get in um, if you have like official ID, like they were they were being very careful security wise. And so they said, everybody has to show official ID. So I go along and I actually brought my my Star Wars fan club card. And I, I thought <laughs> I, I, look, I got my um, I've got official ID. I've got like my driver's license and, and stuff. Sure. But I thought I'm just going to try it on and see if I can show them my official Star Wars <laughs> ID. And so there was this, you know, there was this girl at the door and she was like, you know, 20 or something. And, uh, I just, I gave her my card and, and I swear I didn't say like, I didn't say anything. And she looked at it and, and she saw my name that I'd written on when I was 14. Sure. <laughs> and uh, she handed it back to me. She said, thank you very much. And I got in using my Star Wars <laughs> fan club card. So it was like, that was like a really good start to an amazing night. I got to say. I can't imagine that. That's a great story. And that's a great. Yeah. I, how did you get in? I got in with my official Star Wars fan club card. Yeah, as far as I was concerned, that was the best idea of anyone, anyone had all night. It's That's like, right. They, I don't need to show you my passport. I don't need to show you my papers. This is, this is it. This is my. That's right. Star Wars well, and if that card. hadn't worked, if that hadn't worked, I hope you were prepared just to wave your hand and say, you don't need to see my identification. That would have been my 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 second move. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been the next move, but luckily you didn't need it. Well, that is so neat. And so obviously you grew up with the original trilogy. I have heard you on some other shows and we're not going to get into it deep, but I know you have big feelings about the prequel movies. I and do. I do. I, I just, you know, it's like, how long did we wait? It was what well, the first one came out and what was it? 1999. Mm -hmm. yep. So um, you're talking about a 16 year gap. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it, it's easy to think for for younger people that there's always some new Star Wars thing coming on because as soon as um, really from from a few years prior to that with the special editions, there was always some new Star Wars happening, always some some new Star Wars or TV show and stuff. But after Return of the Jedi, there were six, there were you know, uh, 
13 very lean years before the special editions. And honestly, I prefer the original versions to the special editions anyway. But I had I had high hopes for the prequels. Of course, I did. Everyone did. It was a, a, a many years of anticipation, and I, I just say that I was I was disappointed. I've for actually sure. not seen any of the uh, prequels. Uh, I've only seen them all once at the cinema, and felt very very disappointed and angry. And um, <laughs> I've never watched them again. Oh wow! Well, that that's awesome, and I admire that because you know. <laughs> you know what you want, you know what you're looking for. And I think the difference is, you know, I've, I've laughed and I'll be the first to admit, I laughed out loud on multiple shows that you were on listening to some of your commentary about those movies. And it does make me laugh. And I think the difference is, and you've seen this as a average avid Twitter user too, the difference between that and, you know, being of an age where, you know, like you, you know, I wasn't there for Star Wars, but I was born by the time Empire was out. I saw Return of the Jedi as a kid in the actually we saw it at a drive in movie theater cool. um, in Illinois. But so that's what I grew up with. I grew up with the original trilogy. I like to say I've literally had Star Wars my entire life. Mm -hmm. There's never been a time when I didn't have it. And so to go through what we call the dark time and I read the old EU books and I read, you know, Timothy Zahn and Kevin Anderson and that, that was my star Wars continuation. Mm -hmm. So like you, when we found out I was in college, when the pre halfway through college, when the prequels came out, I was excited. We're getting more star Wars. And so it was that buildup and it was that emotional, like this is a thing that's meant so much to me. Here it comes. The difference is between then and even the feelings I had about those movies and, you know, have changed some over time. Seeing them with my kids makes a difference. Seeing them in light of the world and how toxic the world can be now. And this is where I was going with Twitter, mm -hmm. you know, both with the prequel trilogy and the sequel trilogy. The reality is. And I, this isn't for you, but for these people that we do see who are very toxic in the Star Wars fandom if it makes you that mad, you should just move on. It didn't make you so mad that you have to complain on Twitter and you have to hate people and that you have to, you just went, mm, that wasn't what I wanted. It's not for me. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and, as a, and as you're a, able to laugh about it, which I think is the other part of it where, you know, you're not ready to burn something down because it didn't go the way you wanted it to. No, I think toxic, uh, I think, uh, you know, Twitter and social media can be um, terribly toxic. It's not the platform, it's the people on it, obviously. Right. Because I like to think of of, of my um, kind of Twitter feed, particularly as a sort of a, an oasis of nerdy calm, a sort of a safe For place. Sure. Um, I look so sometimes I'll watch something and um, I, I, I won't like it and I will say so. Um, I, it's a place where I think, you know, I like to be honest and I invite everybody um, mm -hmm. to be honest, but um, I, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to like scream and shout at you. Um, if you, do, if you like this, the prequels, I'll mm -hmm. quietly judge you, but I won't, you know, <laughs> I won't say anything, you know, I won't, but that's I won't be admired too. Yeah. Yeah. I won't go, you know, too deep into it. I, I don't, I think that people get like so angry that they don't like something that you like. I mean, I think that's just so stupid. And, right. and, uh, and, and the bottom you, line is you could say, you know what? It's not for me. I'm glad it's for you. It's not for me. And we can move on. And that's yeah, well, what that's, I think that's basically what you have yeah. to do. It's like, I think the there are more important um, divisions. There, 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 there are, there are more significant things that people can do to make me actually 
properly judge and not want to oh, know them for sure um, for sure and it's not really um it's not really a uh, a problem for me if, if they like right. the, the prequels that said you know most of my most of my friends most of my closest friends are or or, or similar age and have similar experience and mm -hmm. aren't crazy about the prequels um either sure. You know, then uh, Force Awakens comes along, and and it felt like you know we were kind of getting Star Wars back a bit, and uh, that that was exciting to me. The the films, you know, that rounded off the trilogy. I I can't say that I was particularly thrilled with them mm. either. But then we got the um, the Mandalorian, and it felt like uh, it felt to me like we got like Star Wars back proper. Like for, to right. me, the Mandalorian is like it's like proper proper star wars proper old mm -hmm. school star wars and, and i think that that works because they appreciated all the things um it's just maybe it's just generational you know probably about similar age to john favreau and you know just right. again the things that they grew up loving and mm -hmm. being obsessed by they identified it and they just made more of it and uh right. obviously and there's, i think there's Oh, yeah, so go gone. obviously there's a lot of CG and stuff, but it's it's balanced. It's used to help tell the story, unlike the That's prequels, right. where it was just like, <laughs> oh, everything has to be CG. George, and George just, just like turned himself loose. <laughs> George just turned himself loose, and there was no one there that said, are you sure about this, George? He just went for it. <laughs> yeah, I think um, in well, my experience as a film critic, um, actors, uh, 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 directors um, often should... Uh, often shouldn't be so powerful that they don't have any people around them who will say, actually, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, when, when George Lucas was making uh, star Wars, he was surrounded by, um, by friends and uh, you know uh, peers, other filmmakers, uh, great filmmakers who were saying, mm -hmm. "Oh no, I think you need some help with the dialogue." Or George, you can't, you can't. That can't be the opening crawl. We have to, you know, we have to rewrite it. What well, Brian De Palma rewrote mm -hmm. the opening crawl, and that's right. And uh, you know, there were so many people there who were um, helping him and saying, "No, that is crazy. You can't do that." And and that's why it became. It just became a, a great a great movie. Um, it was well, just and I think one of the things that intrigues me so much is when you hear, and there was a, there's a great podcast series that was released a couple, maybe a year or more ago. I think it was called blockbuster and it was a limited series kind of digging into the origins of star Wars and what Lucas did and to hear, and we've heard it even just in the lore of star Wars, but you had, um, you had George Lucas hanging out, like you said, with Brian De Palma and Coppola and Spielberg and these people who were his peers and contemporaries. And you hear about, you know, him showing them the cuts of the film to get their thoughts and opinions on it. And those were some of those, the few people that he had that went, yeah, I don't know about this. And, you know, giving him some of those doses of reality early on. Mm -hmm. And that was for the original trilogy, but then it changed when he went to the prequel trilogy, because of course he was established. He was George Lucas and it was the chance. And I don't fault him for saying, I want to do the vision I have in my head, but he still could have used somebody to go, George, what worked so well were those practical effects and that lived in world and that, you know, those other pieces. And so that's what I think coming back to your point about the Mandalorian is so fantastic is that you have, John Favreau, who in his own rights is a fantastic storyteller. It has an eye towards the technology and bringing in the things that they're doing, like the volume. 
And then you have Dave Filoni who literally studied at the feet of George Lucas and, Mm -hmm. you know, mentored and apprenticed with him. And he was picked essentially by Lucas because he went, this guy gets it. He gets the lore and the storytelling part of it. So to have those two guys and I love, and it may have even been in one of the uh, behind the scenes episodes they did on Disney plus after that first season of the Mandalorian talking about how Filoni and Favreau are basically, you know, you and me as grownups taking the toys that we had as kids and going, what if we had made an episode where this thing happened? Like they were building their sandbox playtime into an episode Oh yeah. What you have is, and I think this is one of the things I admire so much about the Mandalorian is they're bringing in all these different directors. You've got Bryce Dallas Howard, you've got Robert Rodriguez, you've got these different viewpoints, Deborah Chow, Taika Waititi, all these people, but with a guiding hand overhead, like Mm -hmm. Filoni and Favreau to go, I want you to put your spin on it. I want you, I mean, that episode in season two with Boba Fett that Robert Rodriguez directed, the action in that was so specific and so not star Wars. It was through the eyes of Robert Rodriguez, but he had the ability to bounce ideas off of Favreau as the overarching overseeing person to go. Yeah, that feels right. Or are we sure we want to do it? The collaboration aspect of new star Wars is what excites me so much is to be able to. I I think that's what that old star Wars worked because it was a collaboration, right? Um, the the prequels didn't work because they were basically one person doing mm-hmm. everything he wanted to do, and I'm afraid he was just turned to the dark side, you know. And there was like <laughs> nobody to pull him back. Um, the Rodriguez episode was that the tragedy? Was that the one that the one uh, where they meet uh, Boba Fett? Wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's a fantastic episode, and I remember when we saw the name of the episode it's like what's the tragedy what's the tragedy right. you know does something happen to baby yoda it's like you know what 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 can be the most terrible tragic thing that happens and then of course his his uh his ship blows up and it's <laughs> they blow like, up the razor crest yeah it's like that's the tragedy and it was like yes. every star wars fan who like that is the coolest spaceship i've seen in 20 years and it's like you blew it up you monsters mm-hmm. well that and was, a, and as that the was kind a proper of tragedy it was. And as the era of Star Wars fan that I am, honestly, it was the counterpoint to what I was afraid of in The Rise of Skywalker, which is we were going to get that, but for the Falcon. Because I don't know if I would have been able to handle it if the Falcon had met its end and received that kind of tragedy. So it may have been their way to kind of, you know, shift a little bit. But the Razor Crest is that ship. You know, you have certain ships in Star Wars that are characters themselves. Mm-hmm. The Falcon certainly is one. Slave One certainly is one. And in a short period of time, the Razor Crest became one of those ships that could stand alone on its own. You know, TIE Fighters, there's lots of them. X-Wings, there's lots of them. But there are certain key ships that you go, oh, I'd really be upset if something happened to that. And Yeah, that um, was tough saying it. I just hope that somebody rich in the show gives him one a new one in series that's three. right, just, that's right. I, I there, just there's going to be something get an exact replacement ship i want that <laughs> ship again because it was, that's right it was and, and it'll have thing. it'll have some of those quirks like the falcon did like he can't ever quite get it to start upright and he has to hit the you know the bulkhead or there'll be something that works with that and it has to have the little unscrewable knob for uh, baby <laughs> it, yoda to play for with. baby yoda no doubt um well so you came up through those times. You came up through the prequels. We talked a little bit about the sequels, but I want to talk about your work a little bit, because like okay. you said, you have been a film critic. 
Um, you're an author, you're an artist, and there are so many neat components of that that feed into Star Wars. And are certainly that work has, I would no doubt guess, are informed by your love of Star Wars to mm. be able to want to critique film. Um, you've written a trivia book. Like you said, it's not strictly true. It's not strictly Star Wars, but there are Star Wars elements of it. And then, like I said, you have an amazing art page. So talk about some of your career, some of your work, and certainly how that's been informed by Star Wars. Well, when I started, um, I, 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 I started uh, at 18. I, I got a job. Um, I didn't go to university. I got a job on a magazine called What's On in London. And um, it was uh, paid for by advertising. They weren't really particularly bothered about uh, what were in the uh, editorial pages. And so as long as we filled up the pages, it was a listings magazine. So basically, if you wanted to know what was in the cinema, what was in the theater, it was mainly mm -hmm. pitched to tourists. Um, it, and uh, so... I was, a, I was able to, you know, kind of let loose and pursue all the sort of people who I was interested from when I was, you know, like 19 years old, um, when I kind of uh, realized the position that I was in. Um, when any, a film came out, uh, you know, I was able to, you know, kind of interview the, the filmmakers, usually the filmmakers, sometimes the actors, but uh, the directors were usually a bit more accessible. But, you know, beyond that, um, I made good contacts with... Um, like Forbidden Planet and different um, kind of publishers. And I was able to kind of parlay, parlay that into meeting a lot of my heroes. Like mm -hmm. uh, I I went to Ray Harryhausen's house a couple of times um, to interview him. Um, I interviewed Adam West. Um, I interviewed so many of my, of my TV heroes um, and film heroes from, you know, from decades earlier mm -hmm. and um, people who were maybe whose careers were sort of off the boil. And so that much more available. And, and, you know, as far as the world was concerned, they weren't maybe as, uh, you know, hot as they'd once been, but to me, they were like, gods and Absolutely. the chance you know and you know cast members of star trek and and, and uh, just you know incredible um filmmakers and writers and uh, i just had an absolute ball and just you know the, the best time and uh, that's gone now the opportunity to do that is gone i mean when i my elders journalists who i know that they would mm -hmm. go they would have um, often proper personal relationships with 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 the talent with the filmmakers and, the, and sure. the actors they would go to their houses they would spend you know a day with them by their pool and you know they had they had access like you wouldn't believe but you know <laughs> to me um i used to get like an hour you know like they would they would install the person in a hotel and uh, in a hotel room and, and you would get like an hour with them and they would go okay you know and, and here's john malkovich and here's antonio banderas and it wasn't there weren't prs standing over you looking at their watches <laughs> kind of like okay your minute is up um I, so I met lots of wonderful people, you know, uh, Christopher Lee, I interviewed uh, Gary Kurtz and, um, wow. you know, I started to, to meet, um, you know, Star Wars people and, um, you know, towards the end of, of kind of my main, you know, kind of journalism um, career, I suppose um, interviews became these, you know, five minute, three minute filmed things that you would do for online. I became the editor of uh, Blockbuster Online and um, ran that company into the ground i'm not a <laughs> responsibility but by the time that you know interviews became like these three minute things where you would literally have um 
you know, publicist standing, you know, uh, in your eye line uh, behind the person you're interviewing. And after like two minutes, they're like, you know, tapping at their watch or they're doing wrap it up. When you have to go in, you can't, you've got no time to establish a rapport. It's just, right. it, it just, uh, it just, you know, took all the fun out of it. I, I, I don't know if in, in uh, I don't know how much worse um, interviews can get going forwards. I, I, I think, you know, there'll be maybe like, 15 seconds or, or something <laughs> and you won't be able to look at the person you'll have to like wear a mask or they'll be so you know or, or it'll have to be you'll have to ask the questions of the publicist and then they'll ask the person and then they'll get the answer and then they'll give you the reply and then they'll say okay that's all the time you have and uh <laughs> no but, more i can't you know, it, 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 it's definitely sort of lost its appeal anyway um i suppose that in more recent years i kind of um focus more on 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 what 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 came before than what was coming mm -hmm. out you know I'm, I'm always interested in new film I, i'm not one of these people who say they don't make them like they used to i mean they don't make them like they used to but they sure. still make you know great movies um but um i'm just more interested in writing about the things that i love and the things that mean something to me so i, I put together this this book um Vintage Geek, the quiz book. It, mm -hmm. It's uh, it's it, it is a quiz book, but on the other hand, it's 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 also like a, a trivia guide. And I I don't like the word trivia because it's that sort of um, it sort of diminishes what it is. And actually, it's the behind the scenes stories of so many things that I love. I, I don't think of that as you know kind of trivial, but um, it's uh, it, so if you don't know a lot about it, you can just read it as a, as a, as a, as a making of sort of guide, a sort of random um, facts about. And, and so, yes, there's a chapter about uh, the original theatrical um, releases of, of Star Wars. I also have um, a chapter of questions on uh, Tom Baker's Doctor Who and 1960s mm -hmm. Star Trek. And um, also, um, the uh, George Romero's uh, zombie movies. I've got the original Atari console. I've got questions about that. I've got the Marvel in the 1960s, the kind of Marvel age, and uh, you know, there's 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 a lot of the the, the kind of key things that I, I kind of that I think you know formed the different bits of me. But yeah, my Star Wars chapter is obviously something that was you know particularly um, close to my heart, and there was no way I was going to write a book without. Um, <laughs> without having a significant Star Wars presence. I was particularly excited when, after getting the uh, the contract to do it, I had this idea about asking um, a bunch of celebrities for questions. I thought that mm -hmm. that would give it a, a kind of, that would give it a bit of an edge. It's something a bit that, you know, that nobody else has done. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to have a really uh, you know healthy following on twitter including lots of the people who lots of people i admire lots of filmmakers and writers and uh, directors you know, actors and um i was able to reach out to a lot of them who maybe then you know kind of question the wisdom of following me um on, on twitter because then suddenly i'm like reaching out to them saying would you write a question would you give me a question for the book and and it was like so many of them um said yes it was incredibly exciting and uh i got uh, questions um i got a whole chapter about um john carpenter 
horror movies. And I got a question from John Carpenter for that. I got Sam Neill gave me a question for In the Mouth of Madness. I got a Star Wars question um, by Mark Hamill. I got a Star Trek question by George Takei. It's like Clancy Brown gave me a question, um, you know, about uh, Highlander. And uh, Sam J. Jones gave me a question about Flash Gordon. I mean, you know, I was in like absolute nerd heaven. It was like I couldn't believe yeah, it. In all, I got like... 50 amazing uh, guest questions and um, mm -hmm. you know first i thought okay there's a thousand questions in the book if i get them to give me a question then uh, that'll be 50 less questions i have to write easy but you know <laughs> each question involved so much you know, a lot of chasing and uh, oh for sure you know, wrangling and stuff but it was all worth it when i finally well, and it put it all together well, and it feels like that classic, you know, the cliche is it's a labor of love. It's something it's that something you love, to, love do. to do. It's, it's you know, you a know, trivia that you're interested in, science fiction, all of those things. And you get to do it and you get to have, you know, not only Star Wars, but like you said, Doctor Who. Um, and I love too thinking back on the people you're talking about. You've got Tom Baker, who was the doctor. And then he's also in Star Wars Rebels as Bindu. You have Clan Clancy Brown, who, you know, would you Highlander, but then also Clancy Brown is in The Mandalorian. And yes, he, amazing, you know, isn't it? Everybody's it, it, the overlap, now. you know, the overlap of how, you know, the cultures that cross over and the people who, you know, that's a guaranteed go to person. That's somebody mm -hmm. who, you know, it's like, honestly, it's kind of like Simon Pegg on a level. Like he did a bunch of Star Trek stuff, wrote some Star Trek, was in Star Trek but he's also in force awakens and he loves those things. And so to have, you know, those feels and connections and connecting points in fandom is what makes it fun. It doesn't have yeah. to be just star Wars. It can be all these other things. And we see that, you know, back in the days when we could go to conventions, you know, it didn't have to be just celebration. It could be San Diego comic-con, which covers everything or, oh, yeah. you know, Honestly, like you said, the Ramiro I stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like too many things to really want to focus on, on, on just one, you know, kind of franchise. I mean, yes, yeah, Star Wars is, is like my first love and, and you know, kind of um, my biggest love, uh, you know, collection-wise and, 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 and geek-wise. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I just... I, you know, I'll talk equally passionately uh, about, um, you know, James Bond, uh, you know, Connery right. and, and Roger Moore. Mm -hmm. I did got a chapter on the Roger Moore years of James Bond, which I was like, which I really enjoyed putting together because it's like, a, you know, got to rewatch all those movies. Not that I need an excuse to rewatch. Um, <laughs> I would say we so. can always go for James Bond, right? Well, and so yeah, that's well, so fantastic. And we're going to get into the trivia part again in a minute with our top seven, but I want to focus on this as well. And I'm going to pull this up on the screen just for a minute because you are an artist and I let's, put use, that up term, on let's use that term sort of semi loosely. <laughs> it's, I, I got I, over the, um, over the lockdown, I got into, I got into drawing uh, a bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, I, I've always been sort of enthusiastic about it. I never really regarded myself as having any particular kind of um, drawing talent, but I sort of like, practiced and practiced and and i, I kind of got into this crazy sort of rainbow color scheme where i did it all as, as cross hatching and mm -hmm. and they kind of got more sophisticated and um i i got some really nice uh, feedback about it i put them on t-shirts with this company hot merch um mm -hmm. that you can put most of those are available on on t-shirts then i opened my own etsy store and they're available as stickers and magnets and you know because i love merchandise so i figured it would be fun to sort of make some of my own 
Mm-hmm. But uh, well, I love and, those guys. I love those guys. Oh, absolutely. That three PL. I'm really proud of those. Well, and I picked those two, and we talked about this before we got online. Those are two of my favorites because though you know R two is one of my favorite characters, but I just, but I love, just love how this C three PO turned out in the way you did it. But the other thing that I think is so neat, and for those that are watching, and those for our audio podcast listeners, you'll have to come back and catch the video on YouTube and check it out. But it's not just Star Wars drawings, and that's important to say, because you've got Ed 209, which that's a fantastic one from RoboCop. Thank um, you. You have the TARDIS. You have the, um, what's the it's robot? It's all robots, basically. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's mostly robots. And so that's what's got Maximilian from fun. the Black Hole, and mm-hmm. uh, I just, you know, basically uh, Rosie from the Jetsons. It's, I've mm-hmm. got a lot of Doctor Who robots, um, Cyberman and K-9 and, and Daleks, of course. And I just started branching out. I got um, in kind of more organic characters. I did a Baby Yoda and Elisa mm-hmm. uh, Simpson and uh, and yeah. So I, I just kind of enjoy it and doing it and just having a go. You know, I, I, I found it actually very therapeutic during lockdown to mm-hmm. be able to do these things and to be really obsess over all the colors and what goes where. And, uh, you know, it, it takes a, to be able to, you know, st- stay in the lines and to do that cross hatching <laughs> as finely as, as, as I possibly could. And, uh, yeah, I just found it incredibly satisfying. The fact that people now, um, kind of get merchandise with that stuff on is um, mm-hmm. also very exciting. You, you know, when get reviews on the Etsy store is called Vintage Geek Art and uh, I started getting some really nice feedback from people and it's just, it, it, you know, I love that. I really love the idea that I've produced, I mean, not just, you know, my book, but also, you know, kind of stickers and magnets, just things, just nice mm-hmm. things that people want to put on their water bottles or, or Absolutely. For, their, for their fridges and how it's become part of their collections. And I think that that's, you know, I'm very, very kind of um, excited to, to create a, a few, a few bits and pieces that people. It, like. it really is fantastic. And it's an art style that is uniquely yours, which I love. And the fact that, like you said, it's primarily droids and robots, but it branches out a little bit. But that's what art is. Art is where you feel led and where you feel inspired. And this was something Mm. that inspired you. And I remember um, back earlier, again, last year about this time when, you know, pandemic was hitting and I had heard you on other shows, but I heard you talk about this and I saw, you know, I was following you. And so I'd see when you'd put up new ones that you had done. And it appealed to me, too, for kind of those same like it's an outlet. It's a way to express yourself again while we're all at home, while we're Mm. all you know, doing whatever. And so, and I, in fact, I even think I heard you talk about at one point, like your daughter was involved in some of this process. Yeah. She, uh, um, she, I just couldn't get the um, dimensions of the canine, right. And she drew the canine mm-hmm. for me and I colored it in. So that's our, that's our joint project. But uh, Phoebe is so uh, special. She's a great little artist and she's done. Um, she's, um, I, she's better than me. But I, I just, <laughs> I'm the one with the Etsy stores. So. That's right. Well, and, and you, you have the keys to the gate. So you help get her there and everybody wins. Um, well, but no, there she's, are- she's great. I, you know, the fact that it's, it's something that we could do together, you know, mm-hmm. kind of that just made it, you know, kind of even more special. Without a doubt. Well, we're going to, um, after the show's over in this and in the notes for the podcast, we will put the links to your store because we want our listeners to go check that out. Um, like I told you, I've got an order. I need to get ready to place um, some stickers, some other things, because I love this style. Um, you did a K2SO also, right? Is there a K2? Uh, um, no, not yet. 
Okay. Well, then oh, no, I'm going to no, put no, in a request for that. Yes, I did. Absolutely. Okay. Did. I thought that I saw one. Yeah. Sorry. What am I thinking? Yeah. No, that was a, that was a commission. <laughs> and um, it was, I was really, really happy to do that. And so the mm -hmm. art itself has been uh, sold, but I sure. do have some, I do have stickers and magnets the of stickers, that. And absolutely. I was really, really, sorry. I mean, what? <laughs> well, you've so done so many, many robots, and that's all robots are initials and letters and numbers. That's and right. It's, like, that, oh it's all God, it's zeros. Like, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, it's like the, I just you know, there's 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 a K one and a K nine in in in, mm -hmm. in uh, Doctor Who alone, and I just did both of right. those. So sometimes I just have to like take a breath. <laughs> sometimes and, we and, just and, need and, a robot to be named like Robert, just to make it yeah. easier to remember. Basically, or robot, like in you know, you I mean, the the, the B nine robot in, in in Lost in Space. Everybody just thinks mm -hmm. his name is, is robot. So I did He's one of him, and I've also got a Robbie the robot. See, there you go. I love well, those robots, you know. Yes, the robots my, are fantastic. Robbie the robot is my all-time favorite uh, movie robot. Uh, just my all-time favorite robot, you know, kind of period. I just think that it's, it's just a thing of beauty. Uh, if I could have any one robot, but the real ro robot mm -hmm. it would be Robbie, because <laughs> you know, for one thing, he can just he can manufacture diamonds and whiskey in his stomach. <laughs> So it's like, and I can't What do you like need more than whiskey and diamonds? Nothing. I'd be happy, right. honestly, You're set. just with whiskey and diamonds my whole mm -hmm. life. That's the all rest I need. Of it would I'm be a fun. simple man, whiskey and diamonds. <laughs> I like it. Well, as we have talked about the art, we've talked about the trivia, we've talked about kind of your background. What I want to pivot to now is our top seven list. And this is the other kind of consistent feature of our show. Um, and I put this out a little bit on Twitter. I tried not to talk about it too much because of course I'm nervous now because this is the part where I have to perform just a little bit. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to do Marshall's top seven star Wars trivia questions. We went back and forth about what would be a good top seven list. And I like the idea of this. And so the spin that I decided to put on this to make it a little more different is we're going to go through Marshall's seven questions. And as he asks each one, I'm going to try and see if I can answer it. Um, I am a longtime Star Wars nerd. I am a Star Wars pub trivia champion. Um, two Decembers ago, now, and there's a clarification here. I live in Montgomery, Alabama. I may have been only one of two people who competed that night after a certain point, um, but we went to like three overtimes. I won on um, the odds of navigating an asteroid field, which of course is 3,720 to one. And I went with me and my buddy, Matthew. Shout out to Matthew if he's watching this afternoon. And he will be the first one to tell you he contributed nothing to trivia that night. He was there to drink beer and support me while I tried to answer these questions. Well, that um, was a noble endeavor. And I'm sure it is. he was very successful. And, and he, was the runner, but he was the runner because when we got down to kind of the overtime at the end, I was sitting at the table like I was some big deal just telling him the answer while he ran to tell it to the trivia master and to come back and forth. That was his contribution. We ended up winning and basically we won um, a gift card to the restaurant that we were at that paid for the beer we drank that night. So really it was a great win. I perfect mean, night. what more do you that need? Sounds like the perfect um, night. But I, I will also qualify. I'm not a schmo down level trivia expert. I am not, you know, hardcore competitive trivia. So I'm excited and a little bit nervous to see, out of seven, how well can I do? So we're going to jump into this and um, I've got the chat going on. I'm trying not to look at the chat because I know some of these smart people are going to put the answers up before I get to them. Well, but especially if they've got a copy of my book because I've taken these seven questions 
from the book from the so, book and that's what yeah. we're going to do so marshall's going to ask me the question i'm going to try and answer it and then right or wrong we're going to just hear a little bit about why he chose that one because i know especially with one of them there's a great story and connecting point with a certain star wars personality that we're all familiar with uh, but let's jump in with number seven marshall and let's see how well i do okay so right up until the first day of filming star wars what was luke skywalker's original surname uh, it was Star Killer. It was Star Killer, correct. Now, what I did with my very good, very good <laughs> first um, one. Um, you're starting. What me out I easy. do in my I like book this. is like I don't just give the answer because I don't know any nerd worth his salt who just gives one word answers. That's right. Because you know, you give your answer, then you have to explain where correct. the answer. And that's why I like this stuff. for this show. So, so tell us book, about like Star Killer. I always go a little bit deeper and there are some there are some um there are some of my answers which uh, I go into ridiculous kind of rabbit hole detail about <laughs> things. I give the answer but then if you want there's like another page and a half about something. And that's totally well, legit. Do you know why they changed the name from uh Star Killer though? I don't know that I know the change. The things I know about that relate to Starkiller is, of course, as we see, um, I'm such a sucker for concept art, and Ralph McQuarrie is one of my you know, all-time favorites. And in those early concept drawings, Starkiller was a female. And so mm. that was a part of you know that early lore, what it was going to be. Um, I don't know that I know. I could see it being along the lines of like when they changed Revenge of the Jedi to say it's not really a Jedi's thing to be after revenge mm -hmm. star killer could have been a little too harsh, a little too negative. They wanted something a little more positive and uplifting, but I don't know the real answer. So do tell. Well, the, the, the well, I say the real answer, the, the answer that I believe the answer that, uh, you know, I've kind of put in my book. And so it must be true is that, um, uh, the George Lucas and presumably, you know, the executives of Fox um, made mm -hmm. him uh, ditch the name because they were afraid that he would be associated with Charles Manson. Oh, you know, wow. Star Killer. Mm -hmm. That's right. Literally Star Killer. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, which is pretty bonkers. So um, but, uh, but, you know, that was just one of many things that he was encouraged to, uh, to change. I mean, I don't <laughs> know anybody who, who names his characters more literally than than george <laughs> lucas but if he kind of uh you know because literally he like kills the death star at the end of the that's film. right so it's like mm -hmm. you know mate just pull it back a little bit you know well just and you and you bit. go with you go with things like vader and vader and dutch's father and he ends up being luke's father and so again yeah, you do I know. have yeah, a very literal <laughs> very very literal very little i love I that mean, i'm surprised you didn't that. call him like darth bad guy <laughs> but, uh, I'm evil, glad he did. evil emperor worse than the other guy you know yeah, something like that secretly the bad guy <laughs> secretly you know, all been the bad guy him. all along <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah i i think I, I think skywalker works better than uh star killer but there you go for sure so and we have and we also have in that you know the uses and the nods to star killer as we went down the line of course we had star killer in the video games with ea back in the you know 90s and 2000s but then what we get you know as far as the change in canon is we get star killer base in killer force base. awakens and so you do still get a nod, and it and it makes sense you know star yeah, killer yeah. base or to be death called star that because three, basically mm -hmm. yeah that's right that, and it's also 
as much as we love Star Wars the way you and I do and to have the feelings we have from the original trilogy to the prequels to the sequels and what we know about um, Harrison Ford and his feelings about Star Wars and wanted to have been written out and, you know, Jedi and those kinds of things. To me, it's such a great tip of the hat in that scene in Force Awakens when they're talking about Starkiller Base and Harrison Ford is the one that goes, yeah, it's the Death Star, but a lot bigger. Like, just to have that whole, like, yes, we get, we're doing it again, but it's way bigger. Like, how much more do you need from me? Yeah, that's because that's basically what it is. So it's like, let's That's you know, exactly what more. it is. So this next awesome. question, um, yes, Mark Hamill wasn't following me on Twitter at the time, but um, he's, he's amazing with his fans, and he... Mm -hmm. um, you know, and incredibly responsive and if you kind of uh, reach out to him if you if you tweet and you tag him or you ask him a question you know you you, you get you catch him when he he notices it and he will reply to you you know i mean Absolutely. he doesn't he won't if it's just if something sort of amuses him or, or catches him then you know he'll do it i've never don't know anybody who's more responsive um to to his fans than than um mark hamill or anybody who makes himself more available or or, or likes more people's um posts or i mean he, the guy is just you know he's great in in my book and so i reached out to him i i, I just put out a tweet that i tagged him in and i said you know i'm, I'm working on a quiz star wars quiz um you know i would really love it if you would contribute a question you know help me mark mm -hmm. hamill you're my only hope and uh and within a couple of hours he sent me back he replied to me with this amazing question and answer and so i this is the next question i'm going to word next, it exactly how we question it. number six this is this is so, my trivia question from mark hamill from mark hamill what is the first thing luke ever said to leia He says, huh? Because she said, he walks in, she says, aren't you a little stork from a stormtrooper? And he either says some version of either huh or what? Yeah, yeah. What's the next bit after huh? That's 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 the spot on. Um, huh? I'm Luke oh. Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Uh, he says, huh? Oh, the uniform. Oh, the uniform. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Technically, Ha is yes. the first thing he yes. says. Ha so was I'm the gonna, first part. Oh, one. the uniform. Yep. That, well, I'll, I'll take said, half a credit on that. Yeah, this is, as Mark Hamill says, this is in response to Aren't You a Little Short for a Stormtrooper? And a perfect trick question uh, because most people will reply, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here mm -hmm. to rescue you. But mm -hmm. actually, ha, oh, the uniform. Oh, the uniform. Yes. But you've got it. You said, huh? So it's that's just I didn't say what was the first you know four words or I said <laughs> what was the first I thing. Technically got the first word, but the spirit. Yeah, of I know. The I think I think Mark Hamill and I both agree that you can get the point for that. That's like We're, I'm I'm, I'm going to take half credit, so we'll call it one and a half out of two at this point. <laughs> well, that's very tough because you know as the, as the quiz master, I'm giving you a point. But if you only want to take half point, <laughs> if you need that to sleep, then that's right. Fine. I want I want to earn this, Marshall. I want to feel like I deserve my position in the rankings of all this. So okay, so next question yes sir right. question number seven five that's where so we are so this is a quote okay so staggering as spectacle and technically brilliant exciting very noisy and warm-hearted the battle scenes at the end go on for five minutes too long and some of the dialogue is excruciating and much of it is lost in noise but it remains a vivid experience now which member of star wars cast described the film in this way Mm, wow. 
which member described it in that way? That is not, that's too many words for Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford would have just been, uh, that uh, it's too much. Or, or yeah. as he famously said, George, you can write it, but you can't say it. Um, you know, so I, I'm going to rule out Harrison Ford. Honestly, to me, Ooh, that feels like, gosh, because we know how brilliant she was. I feel like that feels like Carrie Fisher. That feels like the way she would look at it. What we know about her as a writer, as a script doctor, the things that she did. Um, because also the other choice, I mean, obviously Mark Hamill was. I, in should, the I should point out that this was said at the time, not right. since. Okay, not since so, at you the know, time. Carrie Fisher and was young, and it was that's like that's right. She was younger. Movie, and so you Ooh. know, would she have been so candid? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Gosh, and see, there's a part of me that wants to say Alec Guinness because, but almost it feels too involved for Alec Guinness because Alec Guinness essentially said, "I don't know what's going on here. I'm just here to do this." Um, but I'm going to go with Alec Guinness. That's going to be my answer based Alec on Guinness the context. Is the correct answer. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Oh, I'm going to go to the chat now, too, and see if anybody's. Oh, look at that. JD said Alec Guinness. Framey said it sounds like Guinness to us, too. So the, the chat the was with got, me. He got made. Um, he, he, he he became incredibly rich off the back of that. He had the best yes, deal. Yes, he did. Uh, you know, next to George Lucas, he had, mm-hmm. he had like the best deal. And, um, and he was not always very... Uh, he was not always very cool about it. <laughs> That's right. He, he was very he skeptical. I think he, I think he, he could have like uh, towed the company line perhaps a little, a little better sometimes. That's right. You know, I, I don't right. like it when people are involved in a film and then they decide to, um, to slate it um, when mm-hmm. they should be doing publicity for it. It doesn't seem sort of very, uh, very professional, but you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to speak ill of, of uh, Alex, <laughs> you know, no doubt. Well, let's jump into number four. What's question number right. four? Number four. This is a true or false question. Okay. Okay. Two of the asteroids in the asteroid sequence of Empire mm-hmm. uh, were a potato and a shoe. True or false? That is so true. All the things floating about. <laughs> that That is definitely true. That is that, true. That is a great Star Wars Easter egg, and that's one it of those like, ones. Have you ever spotted the potato or the shoe? <sighs> I want to say I've spotted the potato, but there's still that part of me that doubts whether I really spotted the potato or not. Um, the shoe, I, just, I, I think have that's not. Like my favorite bit of Star Wars trivia. I just think that that's I, and and you know I thought I knew it all, um, or it, it's certainly a lot. But when I was started doing um, research for my book, that was not something that I knew. And I just had to, you know, check it out from several sources before I felt right. comfortable putting it Confident in. Confident enough but, to put uh, it in there. I think, well, because it just sounds like bullshit, doesn't it? It's like, <laughs> yes, really? It it's like, are you joking? That just sounds like something you would say in an interview because you're bored of doing interviews. And, you know, believe me, I've interviewed, um, you know, so many people. And, and some of them were clearly, they've been doing interviews all day. And, you know, God knows what was coming out out of their mouths you know <laughs> that's exactly right well and it also fits perfectly in line with somebody who had to work and spend grueling hours designing those effects figuring out how to make it look and at some point as a little personal way to release a little bit of steam they went you know what i'm gonna put a potato in here and i'm not gonna tell anybody and one day 
it's going to be a great story or it's going to be, you know, my little secret because it helped me not just go crazy and walk off my job. So are you ready for your next question? Yes, I am. Question number three. What do we got? How many times is Luke upside down in the Empire Strikes Back? Oh, how many times how many is times Luke upside probably, down? And I'm not talking about show. flipping onto his side or something. I sure, mean, sure. Like, like legitimately upside down. upside down. Mm -hmm. Well, he's definitely upside down in the Wampa Cave. That's one. He's definitely upside down when he's training with Yoda. That's two. He's definitely upside down when he's hanging off the bottom of Bespin for a, a point. That's and that, three. That's three. I'm trying to think. You can stop at three. I think three is my final answer. Three is the correct answer. Look at me. I'm hanging in there. I'm feeling good about this. Amazing. Amazing. I think we should just keep going. You're just uh, on this incredible roll. <laughs> go, go, go till I lose. That's where we are. Well, we still got two left. So I, okay. I'm feeling good that we're going to get there. What's number two? Okay. To throw fans and press off the scent, Return of the Jedi was shot under what false title? Oh, um... False title for Return of the Jedi. I know one of the false titles, but now I'm doubting whether... Because we all know Blue Harvest exists. And there's a part of me... Now I'm just trying to talk myself out of it, but it, the reality is Star Wars, nobody knew Star Wars was a thing. So it wasn't Star Wars. Yeah. They wouldn't shoot that under a funny. Yeah. They, 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 they wouldn't have had that. They wouldn't have had the funny that. So I have to go with blue harvest because I can't think of what another one would have been. Correct. So is it blue harvest? Blue harvest. Answer. But you know, they produced like t-shirts and stuff. Mm -hmm. for the cast and mm -hmm. stuff. Extra bonus point. If you can say what the tagline for blue harvest was. I know I've seen it, but I can't come up with it. <laughs> Horror beyond imagination. Horror beyond imagination. Which, I like if they'd that. only known, actually applied to the prequels. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, they used it for Return of the Jedi, which just, I actually just that many of, years too uh, soon. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, last. Well, question. I'm feeling good. Last question. Let's see okay. how we wrap it up. Right. Although it's a trap. Is famously Admiral Akbar's signature line in Return of the Jedi. It was spoken by which other character in which earlier movie? Who said it's a trap before mm -hmm. Admiral Akbar? Okay. That would have been... Leia says it, doesn't she? In... That's my answer. Yeah, she at says what point? It, she says it in... She says it in Star Wars because they get away from the Death Star. She says it's a trap. Obviously, they know we're here. Obviously, when they go back to Yavin, it's that's not it. But it was. I feel like it was Leia, but I don't have the context. It was an Empire okay. when uh, they're on Bespin. She yells it to Luke. Luke, she it's a Luke, trap. No, it's a trap. Yes. So she's being and that high away. pitch scream as they're pulling her across the thing. That's exactly what it is. So again, I, 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 yeah, let's give you half a point for that, which means what you got like six. That's out right. Of I've seven. gotten six of seven. 
I'll take it. Those I'll take are, it. Honestly, they are really they, – they're not easy questions. I mean, obviously, everything's easy if you know it, but I think the thing about my quiz book um, is that it's probably the hardest quiz book ever created. It's actually <laughs> a bastard, and, and, and it makes people feel like they don't know anything. But uh, if you just use it as a great trivia primer, then you mm -hmm. will know more than anybody about everything. Absolutely. It's, like, insane. I, I kind of can't help but come up with – tricky questions because i hate those quizzes that are just you know kind of too easy or that just ask that's right most you know like how many languages does you know c3po speak which now that i've said that is probably a question in my book but you've got to have a few that's easy right ones. six million forms of communication that's what he says so. yeah exactly so it's it's what? like once uh I, I heard that Dolph Lundgren was like trained as a chemical engineer, right? And, uh, or, or something like that. And mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. he, he started dating Grace Jones and he was visiting her on the set of A View to a Kill and, and, and they needed somebody to double as, to stand in as a, as a, as a tough guy. And so he does that. And then from that, he spins off into this whole career as an action man. But actually, he trained to be like a chemical engineer. Yes, so, he did. Um, I interviewed him for, um, the, uh, the Expendables or the, um, mm -hmm. yeah, Expendables. Yeah, I mean, gosh, those movies were just <laughs> terrible. Wild. Um, but uh, yeah, wild. That's, that's a good word. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I asked my friend, I asked a very, very smart friend of mine, uh, Jonathan, uh, if he would give me some questions to ask a chemical engineer and like uh, <laughs> to test him out. And so he gave me a few questions. And, uh, and, and during the interview, I, I kind of said, um, I'd like to test, you know, kind of just how learned you are about, you know, this. Yeah. And honestly, it was just, it was, it was horrible because he couldn't answer any of them. It was so <laughs> horrible. And I thought, I'm like humiliating a guy who could lean over and kill me now. Like, <laughs> but just... I'm going to push him on this one thing. I, did, I love I did. it. Well, and I have a very, very dear friend here in Alabama who is also a chemical engineer. So that makes me happy. And if I was ever in that position, I would ask John the same things. John, give me some chemical engineer questions so I can see if this guy's legit or not. Um, well, this is so fantastic. And we've got a couple of questions in the chat already about where we can get your books. I'm going to put the links up. I know your book is available on Amazon. It is. It's, um, it's most easily to find, most easy to find on, on Amazon. And um, if you, um, if anybody uh, buys a copy of my book on Amazon, if they reach out to me on um, on uh, on Twitter, I'm happy to uh, send them a signed book plate. You know, kind of uh, absolutely. You know, That'd be that's so great. It, that'll kind of make it make it nicer. All, all my stuff is available on on hotmatch.co.uk. Uh, all the t-shirts and stuff, and mm -hmm. my stickers and magnets, and the art is all on um, Etsy. If you just go to Vintage Geek Art. And um, is that that's that's a lot to plug. I can't believe I've got that, so that, many different things to plug. It's, it's that's crazy. what we like, and that's what we're here for. Because while my footprint may be small, the internet community, the Twitter community, the Twitter Star Wars, Star Wars community is a great community. It and we love supporting community. each other. We love reaching out. We love following each other, subscribing, all that fun stuff. So I will put out links on our Twitter page. After we get done, I'll put them in the audio notes for the audio version of the podcast for anybody who's listening on the audio version. We definitely want to, want them to find you in all these places to get some of those stickers, to get a copy of the book. I need to get a copy of the book as well. Um, and so we're going to do that. We're going to wrap up. Marshall, I cannot thank you enough for the time. 
getting together, having a chat with us. And we are definitely going to do this again sometime soon. Please ask me um, anytime. I hope I didn't kind of witter on too much. It's like, uh, you no, know, no, no. You this started, is... I'm just, I'm just like a machine. And I hope that I made some small amount of sense. You did. And that's what makes you a good Star Wars fan and a good geek is that you can go deep on any number of levels. And as I like to call them, the rabbit trails, we follow this one and then we follow this one. And all of a sudden, we're connecting RoboCop to Clancy Brown to Highlander to Rebels to Mandalorian. We, that's what it is, and that's what the fun is. So, this oh, is yeah, truly you know, been... I always felt like a really good geek can basically um, have a ten-hour conversation with themselves and like actually <laughs> just not need other people around. It's like basically you just want other people to witness how much you know about that's right i just want you to be impressed about these weird things that i know that you don't care about well this has been a fabulous chat i'm so thankful that you had the chance to do this or that we had the chance to do this this weekend yeah i had Um, fun it was really great of you to ask me on i appreciate it absolutely it's my pleasure and to all of the folks in the live chat thank you for hanging out with us this afternoon thank you for your comments and your feedback to the audio listeners we hope you enjoy listening to this we also hope if you want to go back and check out the youtube version subscribe on youtube we are available on twitter instagram and facebook at wills pod we are youtube.com slash podcast of the wills we're still excited that we crossed that 100 subscribers mark and are keeping going and the biggest thing is that it makes it easier to find us on YouTube. So it's youtube.com slash podcast of the wills. So check it out. Check out the video feed. And until we get together again the next time, may the force be with you always. Mm-hmm.